Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Before we start, I want to thank everyone who has supported the show, and in particular those of you who have contributed to the PayPal tip jar. Of course, the likes, subscribes, and shares help a great deal as well. I enjoy bringing you this content, and the contributions help cover the expenses for doing so. I've had a wonderful time chatting with the people on these shows, so much so that I would like to have them back for further conversations. As you listen, if there are any questions or topics you would like to hear us discuss, please post up a note in the comments or send me them directly. I'll pick the best ones and we'll cover them in future episodes. Another way you can get more content is to join the Spirit Aikido online program. There are more than 110 videos in the program currently, with new ones added every few days. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods that I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. In the most recent series of videos, I cover fundamentals and applications of Kaitenage, as well as a powerful way to deal with someone who tries to pull you down with them after you throw them. I also started a series on kick defenses. There's a link to the program in the description. I invite you to check it out. Now, on with the discussion. I'm very honored to have Joe Thambu Sensei, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, join us on Modern Aikido's podcast. I'm very excited about this conversation. Uh, Sensei and I just had our initial conversation a few days ago, and we were brimming over with subjects that we were, would love to talk about. So thank you, Sensei, for joining us on this show. My pleasure. And feel free to call me by my first name. Thank you very much. You and, like. and you too. Yeah. Um, so we've covered a number of great topics and it's hard even to pick the first one, but I think a good one to start with would be how to find that martial spirit, which is the, that intangible thing that makes somebody really competent and, and highly skilled, not just in following through motions or being able to do uh, prescribed kata or choreography or things like that, but that kind of heart of the lion uh, that they have within them. How have you... How do you view bringing that out in your students? How do you how did you do that yourself? And what would you advise somebody who wants to develop that within themselves? Okay, um, in great to be here, Tristan. Um, and um, yeah, look, your first question is great. I'm going to unpack the question as they say in modern parlance. Um, the question is semi flawed, but we'll, we'll take it apart. Okay. Sure. The first part is. What is the martial spirit and does everyone need to have it? So if I've got, uh, you know, someone in their 50s who's never raised their hand in, in violence, wanting to do Aikido, mm -hmm. uh, why would I want to teach them how to take on a thug on the street? Um, so, so I think that martial spirit is so important, right? But it, has, it manifests itself in different ways. Uh, I've had students who trained years and years ago, 20 years ago, they stopped and they're working in the tax department. They're working as solicitors and they've all said to me, you know, the, the one thing that the dojo has taught them was never to give up. Hmm. And, and I think that is the martial spirit that we need more than everything else. I, I understand your question. I'll get to that in the second part, but um, I seen, a lot of people go to Japan, uh, you know, train yeah, guts out, and every second word is os. You, you know what that means? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, to persevere, to never to give up, and and they they put up with so much shit, and and they get trashed, and they rock up the next day, and they never give up. They there, but then when they go back to their home country, 
and they're faced with uh, bills, utility bills, uh, faced with no place to train, faced with all these other things, they give up. Mm -hmm. So they've got the martial spirit in, in that fighting sense, but not in the sense of persevering in life. Mm. So for me, I think we, we need to pick the student and choose the student and fit that martial spirit to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now, same part of your question. Uh, uh, I don't know how to differentiate the word. With martial spirit again, but in a, in a hands-on way. That's what you're talking about, right? Someone uh, yeah, who look you in I guess hands-on and mental determination, all that. The, yeah. Yeah, the spiritual and so, side. Someone who's got that thousand yard stare. Is that the word for it? Yep. Mm -hmm. Someone who you see and you just think, now I want to cross the road. Right. Um, how, how do you deal with, how do you teach that? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Uh, you know, there, there's that analogy like, uh, you know, uh, we, we polish, every time you come to the mat, we polish a sword. It's like polishing a sword. Mm -hmm. But no one told you how much beating that sword had to get to be bent into that fine thing. Sure. Now, you, you, you want to create uh, a warrior, warrior. You want to create someone with that strong Budo spirit, that strong martial spirit. Takes a lot of beating. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of yes. manipulation, a lot of beating. Um, and, and really, I have a friend who says, you know, uh, if they're afraid of being beaten outside i'll beat them in the dojo mm -hmm. and he's really hardcore and he says i thrash my students so much it's nothing like compared to what they're going to feel out there mm -hmm. so everyone's got their different approach for me um you know standing on the doors of nightclubs i had to do that to to make sure what i was teaching worked mm -hmm. and also if i had the the courage the balls if you like to make it work mm -hmm. the only way to answer it is to put myself on the in a position where I couldn't say no, I couldn't back down. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes the Aikido failed me, sometimes it didn't, sometimes I failed myself, sometimes I didn't. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's an interesting thing. How you teach it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it, is, Go ahead. it is so important, it is so important. I think we should never downplay that. And when I say I don't know, there's many ways, but there's no one way. I, I would agree. And, and it really changes depending on the student that you're dealing with. I, I've had students come in that have that sort that have that. They just want that that spirit of I won't be dominated. I won't put up with being victimized. But now I just need to, the tools to be able to articulate myself to to actually do the physical aspect. And then I've had other students come in and say, basically tell me, I want to, this is part of me that's, that's not there. Can you help me build it? And if there's, I found if there's even a little bit of that passion, then you can. And it's, I think acquainting them with a certain amount of physical fluency with mm -hmm. uh, that, the violence part, the physical aspect, and that also helps develop the courage or the confidence. And I think confidence is the path to courage when you can realize you're not totally committing suicide by stepping forward facing you know a scary thing uh that you have a good chance and that this is within the realm of things that you're used to then that, that those that combination can make take somebody who's pretty timid and not confident and turn them into somebody who's 
at least got some 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 decent courage. Um, so, so with those two with those two people, the the one thing that springs to mind, mm -hmm. the first person who says, "I've got it. What I need are the tools." What that person needs is discipline. Right. Yep. The second person who says, "This is the part of me that I want to uh, build the courage, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, mm -hmm. That person needs discipline. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I, you know, people ask me if I meditate. I've never meditated in my life. I don't have the, I don't have the patience. Right. I'm always on the go, right? Mm -hmm. But I've realized the times when I am totally blank, totally off no mind, is when I was okay to to top teachers, mm -hmm. and I knew I was going to get my head buried, and I was scared, but. I was there to do one thing and one thing only was to attack them. Mm -hmm. And I did. Um, and, you know, it, there was no thought in my mind. It was not even what attack they wanted. I was going to, I was going to go for them. That, that's all, you know, that, and, and so there was clarity and there was emptiness both in the same time. And I think that discipline overcame my fear. Yeah, that's standing a good formula. Of, standing on doors of nightclubs, I had a job to do. Just mm -hmm. like being the UK, I've had three Maoris in front of me and I've had to look them up like this and say, guys, you're not coming in. And it was the discipline and stupidity that helped, that helped me get the job done. So for everyone, it's different. But oh, uh, sure. discipline plays a big part, big part. I think it does. And not just the discipline to show up, but the discipline to make the most of that training and mat time. I have seen people that'll show up and they'll get on the mat and they'll totally just piss away the time that they're not really getting anything out of it, but they're in their gi and they're, they're there logging the hours. But when they walk off, they didn't really take anything with them. And that there's that part of the discipline, self-discipline to the commitment of saying, I'm on the mat and I'm going to make this time pay. Like this is going to be, I'm going to learn. I'm going to make myself better than what I was when I walked through the door. There's one more thing about the discipline and uh, working in clubs, I've seen um, security, we call them security, we don't call them bouncers, the security or doorman, mm -hmm. take someone out, put them down and just lay into them. That's lacking in discipline. That's true. I've, I've had people call me all kinds of names. I've had people hit me. But the time I lost it is when someone spat in my face. Mm. Why? I don't know. But that was for me, you know, and, and I really lost, lost the plot. Um, and, and I went to town to them, on them. But the, the thing with discipline is there's an old saying, if it's unnecessary to do something, it is necessary not to do it. Hmm. That's so interesting. If you've, got someone, if you've got someone under control and you've restrained them, there is absolutely no reason to then start smashing them right so again that discipline comes in uh, if people think they're really gung-ho and they just want the technique without the discipline to go with the technique they're going to end up in jail that's true and you need that discipline at critical moments mm -hmm. really critical moments that discipline has to kick in to say no he's out the door i've got him out the door he can stand there and abuse me that's fine so if he comes back, I'll do something, but I'm not going to chase him down the road, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Right. This is where I think having people take such strong cues from movies and TVs and action, 
where you know the good guy just goes crazy and just unleashes hell and kills everybody like that's not a good model for how to have a really what how you deal with violence uh, for real that's way over the top or having the well i want to just be able to punch somebody so hard that i would just completely crush them um you know which i.e like a sport fighter like somebody would admire a mike tyson and you know that's fantastic skill that he has but the you know breaking somebody's neck or smashing their head in seems like it's the ultimate expression of martial arts but in, in my opinion it, it lacks the real world discipline that any civilian would have to deal with if he did do that you know what i'm saying so yeah in in the old days the ability to control someone without hurting them was prized mm -hmm. and from what i think I it still is or should be it should be yeah. uh, uh, in the old days if you know contrary to movies and stuff like that if a samurai if a retainer killed someone or or had a fight with another samurai there was an investigation really yes from mm -hmm. what i understand and and then the lord would decide whether that was just or not but mm -hmm. there was an investigation and if it could have been avoided why wasn't it mm. so so you know if, if a samurai drew his sword in anger he had to answer too mm. it's not like in the movies where you could just lob someone's head off and and you know that's it go on about your way yeah 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 there were complaints and we're, we're talking before the meiji era we're talking tokugawa you know mm. when yeah so uh, i i think that 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 thing about trying to control someone without hurting them is was prized and still is still should be look mm -hmm. at us now we, we talk about reality reality training uh, sorry i'm drifting no go, go keep on i love what you're saying uh, we talk about reality training and and stuff like that there's no such thing as reality training people say aikido is uh is uh fanciful and and has no bearing in the modern world perhaps but if you think of aikido as uh, a lock or a throw or a series of locks or throws it doesn't work mm -hmm. if you think of aikido as how you use your 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 mouth your mind and your body then it works mm -hmm. uh, i i've knocked someone back from come trying to come in i pushed him back three times and i just went a big palm strike to the face he dropped now i'm 58 kilos i don't know what that is in pounds but it's not very much and i don't i don't hit bags i don't do anything so where did that power come to drop him mm -hmm. from a palm strike um it comes from training comes from slapping the mats comes from training comes from how i used my body mm -hmm. um so if if we think of uh reality training what is reality training uh, getting in, into the ring? No, because in the ring, you know that person's not going to pull a knife. Mm -hmm. You know there's the referee. You know that if you're getting your head kicked in, your corner will throw in a towel. Mm -hmm. but if you're standing on the door of a nightclub, you often don't know how many people that guy's got with him. You don't know if he could be armed. You mm -hmm. could do something to him and he could come back later with a gun. And I've had that happen too. Mm. So you know, they, they, there's no safety net. So how do you prepare for that? Right. Yeah, you don't even know when and where it will happen. Whereas a fighter, he knows when his fight is, you know, he yes. gets scheduled ahead of time. He knows who the opponent is. He can study them. They're about the same size or same weight range generally. 
they know yeah. the skills they can research what you know what they're likely be facing in terms of attacks and they can adjust their training for it and and i'm not not averse to you know back in the day mm -hmm. picking up a bar stool and cracking someone in the head <laughs> uh, I, i've had to deal with two people and i pushed the first one down a flight of stairs mm -hmm. and then dealt with the second person uh, and people say that's nasty it's not clean fighting I don't know what clean fighting is. For me, there's no such thing. If you think like that, you've never been in an altercation. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an oxymoron. Um, yeah. yeah. There, there, the there's the, the honorable rule. duel approach. There's I, one rule for me. One rule for me. And that's to survive, to finish that shift. Right. <laughs> yep. To yeah. be standing at yeah. the end. Yes. And, and I'll do my best to do it in the correct way. Mm -hmm. But self-preservation comes first. Right. And, and it, it's, this is another thing people don't realize, and in the movies have a lot to answer for. It's like saving a drowning person. If I can't ensure my own safety, I shouldn't try and help that drowning person. Mm -hmm. If I can't ensure my own safety, I shouldn't be working on the door of a nightclub trying to control other people. Right. So my safety comes first. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not sure if that's making sense. No, I think it does. And I, I think that, that this martial spirit, we're, what we're doing is we're kind of boiling down to getting past the thinking that the martial spirit is merely being a badass or being able to hurt people or being able to cause damage or, or you know, be a monster with your bare hands where you're just a, some sort of wave of destruction. That's not, mm. I don't view, I don't personally view that as the martial spirit. I'm sure all of us have got our own definitions. Uh, to me, it's being somebody who can assure their safety assure the safety of their loved ones or or at least stand to protect them should they be threatened but also do it in a way that they can not only survive but not be uh not have done it in an immoral way gone too far or or taking it taking it beyond where reason would would have you uh, in order to survive and it, there's an old saying uh, why do a martial art if you can't take it out the do outside the dojo? That's true, yeah. Right? So, um, if I cannot go to a primary school and talk about Aikido, if mm -hmm. I can't go to uh, the corporate world and talk about Aikido and how it can help them in the corporate world, what am I doing? Right. I'm not taking Aikido outside the dojo. Mm -hmm. uh, if I meet my, my daughter's friends, I want to be able to conduct myself you know, not not with cauliflower ears and bent nose like that. Right. I want to be able to conduct myself appropriately. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, uh, budo aikido is the way to be. Mm -hmm. It's a way of being, and and the road to that being is the etiquette that mm -hmm. we learn, how to respect someone, but how to stay stay on course and be yourself. So when when we work in nightclubs, we have a saying, you know, I'm a doorman not a doormat right i'll be pleasant but i won't let you walk all over me mm -hmm. and for me aikido has taught me that when to stand my ground and and but to try and be as nice a person as i can sure I, and i think that transposes to civilians very very well that's really what we should be as as adults in in society i remember reading about the roman soldiers when you know when they were within the legions and they would travel throughout europe or wherever they were doing their conquests and they had honed these guys into being such soldiers and basically so mean that when they weren't 
actually on a campaign actively fighting enemy enemies they they were so much trouble that they they wound up being destructive and they they had a hard time coming back to the civilized rome and living as civilians because they were being essentially turned into these attack animals and and i'd read and i'm not sure if this is true or not but hadrian's wall that was built up in uh, the northern side of england was primarily a we need these guys to do something because they're bored and they're causing they're raising hell they're fighting each other um you know they're they're too much trouble they, we need to give them a project to work on and and that was a big part of it because if you look at the wall it wasn't you know <laughs> as walls go not terribly impressive but it kept a lot of troublemakers really busy and i think if you get too far into the violence for causing uh, learning to cause a lot of damage and kill people then you, you can lose that discipline and you lose that honorable uh, behavior part well it, it was the romans who came up with the with the notion of an army that's not at war turns in on itself right yep. so you got to keep them busy yeah. <laughs> um, yeah you know but if you look at uh the foot soldier and and you look at the officers you use the roman empire mm -hmm. they were they were totally different they the officers were cultured Mm -hmm. uh, the foot soldiers were foot soldiers. Uh, the Japanese warriors, they, they tried to, you know, teach them poetry, uh, teach them mm -hmm. um, calligraphy. They, they wanted to round off a person. Mm -hmm. But that only came after a certain era. So the, the culture has to grow and sure. we grow with the culture. Um, in Yoshin Kan Aikido, the word Yoshin means to lift your spirit, to build your spirit. Mm -hmm. So essentially to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And um, I know we, we talked about this, or you're going to ask me about this before, uh, again. Um, the way, the old, the old way of doing it was to kill the ego. Mm. And so nothing you did was right. Nothing. You know, everything was wrong. You, you couldn't even tie your belt properly. It was wrong, 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 wrong. And then gradually, they stopped saying wrong. They'll never say right. Mm -hmm. I, I've been doing Aikido for 48 years. I've had one compliment paid to me by my uncle, my first teacher, one in 48 years. And I was so uh, aghast that I couldn't sleep that night. Because <laughs> you just had, couldn't relate to it. No, no, he, yeah, he, he said good things about me to other people, but to me, never. Mm. But that was that was it. You know, you're building the man. You're not stroking the ego. Mm -hmm. You're building the man, and and not everyone can do that sort of thing. Uh, not everyone can put up with that sort of thing. A lot of people do need to be told that they're doing it right. You're doing a good job. Um, you know. The way I was brought up, it's like sink or swim. I don't care. Mm -hmm. That was a very was old school way of teaching martial very arts. Old very old school, yeah. Yeah. I when I was a very small kid, I started at eleven, and I met an old teacher, and this guy was a brute. He was a brute, right? And I said to his wife, you know, I used to be afraid of your husband. And he said, no, 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 come on. I said, no, you, you used to trash me. He taught at another city. Every time he came to my uncle's dojo, he would trash me. He would just pick me up and just, you know, wipe mats with me. Mm -hmm. And 
he put his arm around me and he says, come over here. He took me into a corner and he says, you know, your uncle made me do it. I didn't want to do it. Every time I came, your uncle made me do it. Mm. So uh, that was the old way. And, and it was either you sink or swim. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I had a, a mentor of mine, and we were talking a little bit before the show about, you know, no teacher, no Budo. And I've always wanted, I've always sought out mentors, whether they were my formal teachers at my school or just people that I thought for a period of time, you know, you have some great knowledge. I want to learn from you. Um, and, and he said he was very much taught in the same vein with his Muay Thai. He said the most instruction he ever got from his instructor was, you kick like girl, practice. That was it. You stop kicking like girl, you know, and basically go keep doing it. And um, yep. very old school. Um, and it's not that it's just Japanese or or Thai or anything like that. That's just very, very kind of keep doing it until you get until you find it. Um, and I guess can, go, can go I, ahead. Can, sorry, um, you use the word mentor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a really important word. Mm -hmm. I hate the word role model. Right. I hate people saying to me, you're a good role model for my kids or whatever. Fuck. Sorry for swearing, but <laughs> why, why in God's name would I want anyone to turn out like me? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's semantics, but sure. a mentor helps you. Mm -hmm. A role model is someone you, you emulate and copy. Right. Don't, 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 you know, be yourself, be the best that you can be. Don't be like anyone else. And there's right. too many people out there trying to, you know, there's there's people who do, you know, uh, Australians, uh, Canadians, Americans who do BJJ, speaking with a Portuguese, speaking English with a Portuguese accent. Mm -hmm. There's there's Westerners speaking English who do Aikido and Karate with a slight uh, Japanese accent. Mm. I've seen it and I'm sure. thinking, what's wrong with these people? Off the mat, they're speaking fine, but on the mat, because they've just gone to the zone of emulating, sure, copying, imitating, and that, that's the best way to learn. Yes, mm -hmm. imitate, it's one way. Copy. I don't know if it's the best, but it's one. Yeah. I, I think it's the best way. Mm -hmm. But then you need to imitate, adapt, innovate. Right. A lot of people get stuck in that first level. They do, you know. It was funny years ago. I was when I was fighting competitively. I had a, this this younger fighter. He looked up to this certain experienced fighter a lot, and and wanted to emulate everything he did. Well, one of the things that this advanced fighter had, he had a bad knee, and he he couldn't bend his right knee very well. So he walked kind of funny. He sort of he'd bend his left knee, and then his right knee would kind of stiffly walk. Well, this this guy. Who was emulating and picked up his movement i said why are you doing that there's nothing wrong with your knees you can move better than than he can and it was just a, he had it in his mind like i'm gonna do everything exactly like this guy does it because i really like what he does and it was just fine like why why are you picking up his bad habits take the good ones and and yeah. you know don't but don't take the bad stuff um, and and I, there was a there's a famous aikido teacher i won't mention his name he had bad knees mm-hmm and so yeah, he you, couldn't that, bend that's knee. could be anybody. <laughs> so he couldn't bend his knee to push his weight forward. So he would lean forward with his shoulder. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone that everyone in his school does this. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, why? I don't know. Right. I, I used to have a, a point where I couldn't raise my arm more than here. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a lot of demos. 
Omayuke is really tall. Sure. And a lot of the demos I was doing back then were for kickboxing and, and Kyokushin karate tournaments. And I used to do a technique where I would leap in the air, raise my arm to there, and then come down with my whole body. Sure. And people who watch videos wanted to learn it and, and, and stuff. And all the students close to me never asked me how to learn it because before I went on, they, they put oil on my shoulder and then whip my arm. Okay. And they knew it was a, was a makeup technique because I couldn't raise my arm. Mm -hmm. But everyone else who saw it thought, wow. And people ask me, I go, no, that's rubbish. Don't do that. Sure. You know, yeah. you know it's, it's uh, funny because I, I come from a Koichi Tohei lineage of, of my Aikido. And so I've seen other people t as tall as I am. I'm 6'4", do the Tohei hop, like where he'd hop off the ground and drop his weight, exactly like you're describing. And, like, yeah. and then I was told, well, Tohei did that because he was so short. When he came to America and he had all these really tall ukes, he wanted to drop his body. So he kind of cheated by jumping and then dropping it. He said, but if you're over six feet, there's no reason you need to be hopping around and jumping off the ground, you know? So same kind of thing, you know, but thank you. See Tohei thank you. And, see, this is the difference between having a mentor and a role model. <laughs> yep, this is true. Uh, and I guess this brings us to the next question, which is, uh, moving into the future, how can we teach more efficiently and w uh, where the students are learning faster? Is the old school the best way to do it? Or are there newer approaches that we can do to kind of make it less, uh, I guess, tedious or, or uh, make a longer path than is necessary? What are your thoughts hmm. on that? <sighs> varied. Totally varied. You know, uh, the, the, the old Japanese system lends itself to a lot of abuse, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you want to learn how to make sushi? Mm -hmm. You got to wash the rice for three years. Right. The old why school apprenticeship. God, yeah. Why in God's name would you have to wash the rice for three years? Mm -hmm. if, if it takes you that long, you're bloody hopeless anyway. <laughs> you're never going to be any good. Right. right. Now, now they've got sushi courses in in colleges in Japan where you can learn in six months how to make good sushi. Mm -hmm. And people are frowning upon that. Mm. Why but, is that? So, because it's not the old way? Exactly, because it's not the old way. Right. So uh, I, I think it lends itself to a lot of abuse. Imagine if someone wanted to learn and they wash rice and you were paying them a pittance, mm -hmm. you know, paying them slave wages and getting slave labor. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and same in martial arts schools, a lot of it was uh, a system that was handed down, but it lent itself to abuse. Right. The people who, who benefited from that were the ones who could take lessons out of that. Mm -hmm. The teacher wasn't teaching, you had to learn. Right. So, um, are you familiar with the word autodidact? No, I'm not. Okay, so it, it's I think it's Greek and it means someone who's self-taught. Okay. And when I say self-taught, I don't mean you don't have a teacher. I mean that you've unpacked what the teachers offered you and you've made it your own. Mm, okay. Everyone who's who's any good in anything I've seen is an autodidact. Okay. Because that'd be the Greek version of, of re from the Shuha Re uh, principle where you advanced to a level where you've owned and, and integrated what you've learned you've internalized yep. it yep yes and i i i don't think 
you can be taught. I think anyone who's good has to learn. Oh, agree. Totally. There's agree. a distinction there. There's a distinction there. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to my teacher once, one of my teachers, I said, he he made a remark about my school. He came to visit. He made a remark about my school. Um, and I said to him, I try and I model my school after the Yoshinkan of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And I went on to say that, you know, I wasn't spent a long time there, but I was there for lots of different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't there for as long as other people. And he said, it's not how long you were there for. It's what you took out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it, it's not just saying my teacher is so-and-so and I spent so much time. That's what did you get out of it and what can you do now? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it, the old system is good, mm-hmm. but it lends itself to abuse. Sure. Now, the problem with a lot of us is it took us a long time to learn it. Mm-hmm. A long time. Right. And and we're still learning it. And then we think, I got a better way of teaching than I was taught. So I can speed it along. Mm-hmm. And we end up teaching 20 year olds like they were 50 year olds. All right. Okay. And that, that's a sin. I think um, 20 year olds should be treated like 20 year olds. And when they get to 40, they should be treated like 40 year olds. You cannot train train a 20-year-old like a 40-year-old and expect them to get the best out of the system. Ain't going to happen. I've found the same thing. But but as teachers, we think, oh, I've got a better way of doing it. I'll shorten. There's no shortcut. Right. And, and, and so I see in Aikido now, a lot of people doing fantastic Aikido, beautiful Aikido but it's not Budo. Mm-hmm. I've seen a, a, lot of top, a lot of top Aikidoka, but they are not Budoka. Mm-hmm. And herein lies the problem. Agree or disagree, that's up to you. But most people I say that to don't realize the distinction. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. Because I would agree. Aikido has lost its way. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to teach finesse and 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 people are you know, spending a whole class wondering whether their little finger should be there or there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this teacher said this and this teacher said this. Who gives a fuck? Put your UK down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, yep. And, and, then, and then your job is to then keep putting the UK down, but using less strength and less strength and more, mm-hmm. more of his energy, more of your power. But don't forget the objective. Put the bloody UK down. Totally agree. You know, the, the, Gozo, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Shira Gozo Kancho once said that Aikido is first and foremost a martial art. And even if, you never fight in your, even if you never fight in your life, even if you never use it in an altercation, you must train it like it's a martial art. Otherwise, you lose all essence of it. Mm-hmm. So like you said, people who come on the mat and piss around Sure, they're clocking in the hours. They've got the gi on. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, right. it's not it's not Budo. It's not Budo. Right. I think that the, the traditional, the old school model of teaching also has a ceiling on it. When you as the student are 
firmly stuck in the mindset of I am going to listen to my teacher and do only what he says for me to do. That can work when you have an elite level teacher that is acting more like a coach and less like a like a cookie cutter kind of, all right, I want you to do this step, that step. And there are very few teachers that are capable of taking somebody from raw beginner to really elite that way. Uh, because I think you're right, that student at some point needs to internalize, this is my martial art. I'm not doing my teacher's art. I'm not just doing what he does or what he says. I have to make this my own. And it, for if a student never crosses, starts to cross that bridge, and I've read, read many accounts of martial artists say, I love my initial teacher. He taught me so much, but I, I got to the point where I had to move on. I needed to find either other mentors or I needed to find my own way because I only went as far as I could with that one. Not that there was any disrespect. In fact, the reverse is true. They really respect that, that instructor that got them to that point because even a lot of instructors can't get a student to, to that point where they've grown enough where they can start into that, that re-phase where they have internalized and they understand um, what they're doing and what they want that they can't do and that they, then they go pursue how to get it or where to get it. Um, and some self-develop, others find mentor, other mentors that add in. Uh, I think it's a very complex process to become that, that very high-level martial artist. It's not just a linear go from point A to point B and one person's going to guide me all the way through that. Can I play the devil's advocate a second? Oh, sure. Yeah. I've heard that many a times so people say, uh, you know, I, I'm a second down and my teacher's a fifth down. He's got nothing to teach me. Mm -hmm. Well, at second down, you should be starting to explore and starting to understand the techniques yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and your teacher should be saying, no, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But that's it. You know, like, again, to quote Shula Gozo Country, he, we talk about Kamai or stance. Mm -hmm. He said, I can tell you when your stance is wrong, but you will know when it's right. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good you, statement. Yeah. But it, it's the same in learning. You know, I can say, no, that's wrong. It, it's an art form that we do. Mm -hmm. It's an art form. If you're willing to, to put in the time and work, that's how you make it your own. You don't make it your own by being given it by someone else. Right. And how what's missing in aikido today is the the structure right mm -hmm. we've lost the structure or the structure has become too rigid in some mm -hmm. schools they've lost the structure in other schools uh the structure has become too rigid mm. now there's an old saying if you give a group of prisoners a key some of them will put it on the wall and pray to it. Others will use it to escape. Okay. <laughs> I so like that. We, we have a system uh, in, in the Yoshinkan system. We, you know, we've got basic movements, basic techniques. And that's the structure mm -hmm. that allows you then to, to flower. Mm. A lot of people get stuck in the structure. Yeah, that's true. They do. But, but they get stuck in the shoe phase. Mm. Yep. And part of that is because the teachers don't allow experimentation. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a really strict teacher. If I say you turn 135 degrees, you will turn 135 degrees. Mm -hmm. 
in my class. You don't do 134, you don't do 136, you do 135. Mm -hmm. But after the class, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And and you know they say the people who are the best are the ones who are who who are last. And there's two 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 points to that. One, you're the last one standing, right? But also you're the ones there when they turn the lights out because you're practicing, you're making it your own. Mm -hmm. I'm, when I teach you basics, you stick to, to that rigidity. Afterwards, you must make it your own. Mm -hmm. So when's that? That's when you, you practice the, the, the self-defense bits, you practice jiwaza, you do other things. Mm -hmm. uh, we, do, we, don't, you know, we don't allow for that anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone's stuck in that rigid, rigid system. You know, it's interesting about, a, I think about a year, a year and a half ago, I did a little poll on the, on the Facebook group, the Aikido, the Marshall side when I was there. And, and I think at the time we had maybe six, 7,000 members. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm curious how many people do Giawaza as part of their practice or do even Randori. So I, I did a little poll and something like 85, 90% of people did paired kata. That was all they really ever did. And very few people did Giawaza and even fewer people ever practiced Randori and Randori is a favorite of mine and I found as a as an instructor a mentor and a teacher that Giawaza was sort of the the training realm where you take the glue and you put your your techniques together like and without that glue all Aikido is is a bunch of techniques single loan techniques that you just practice over and over and over again but without that glue to put them together you feel totally lost um and I've seen brown black belts that get into a Giawaza situation and you can tell their brain is just getting overloaded because they don't know how to deal with that, with the flow part of different things coming at them and, and changing direction and, and watching pace and studying ukes and, you know, not knowing what's about to happen. You know, that, to me, that's a solid skill area there to really uh, bring the students into a comfort zone with all that chaos because that's really the chaos of or it's the beginning of getting into the chaos of a real life situation for me um i've got a couple of trademark throws mm -hmm. right and it's something that i've envisioned envisaged or envisioned mm -hmm. and i've tried didn't work tried again didn't work and i've gone back to the basics mm -hmm. looked at the basics and think, okay, that's a flaw in the basics. Fix that, go back. And the, the technique I envisage worked. Mm. Um, if I have a flaw in the basics, I look at the basic movements. Flaw in the basic movements, look at the Kamai. Um, mm. So it, it's that step-by-step. Step. And it's connected. Like you said, Jiwas as the glue. Puts it all mm. together. Mm. Uh, but if, you, if it's not structured properly, then the basic movements, uh, the sword work, uh, all this, it's, you know, you have a problem, you don't know where to look. So mm -hmm. if you have a problem in a technique, look look one step before. And it's the same within the technique. If you're doing step one, two, three, four, usually if at step four you've got a problem, the problem's in step three. Yeah, totally agree. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the structure. If you understand the structure, it can take you very far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, the, the the approach that I've used with my students is I, I try to treat them more like I was their coach than a, I don't like the guru type effect, you know, where, where instructors mm -hmm. want to be Mr. Big Shot and they want to be 
you know, telling everybody that they're wrong, that, that not to, not to say that they're wrong, because oftentimes they are, but, you know, I, I like to bring them in and say, I want to bring the best out of you. Just listen to what I have to say, try it out. You know, you're going to have to learn this. I'm going to give you what I can, but you're going to learn a lot more from observing how things work when you do them than me just yelling at you for having your foot in the wrong place or, or what have you. So I, I think that there's, that bond is creates a, a lot of strength uh, of um, trust between a student and a teacher and the teacher and the student. When that trust is strong, boy, you can you can get students really coming out. And and I it makes me sad when I see martial art instructors that their egos tear down the trust that their students should have in them. Um, you know whether it's they get beat up too much or they. They, uh, they just get berated, you know, or, or, or treated in a demeaning way. Uh, like you said, the abuse that tends to come out with that old school system. It's like, you know, you should have, there should be ultimate trust and even love between a, a, a teacher and student in such a way that they, the student knows that the teacher will do anything to help them advance and that the student is committed and loves what he's learning or she's learning. I think that's a healthy relationship between teacher and student. We're going, to come, we're going to have to come back to that. I want to regress a little bit, right? Sure, sure. Um, going back to the, the part about Jiwas and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you've done Muay Thai, yeah? A little bit, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So you train. What do you do at the end of the practice? Other than collapse? <laughs> Before you collapse. Oh, yeah. Well, you do some sparring. Sparring. Yeah. And in judo, what do you do at the end? Do some randori. Randori. Boxing, what do you do at the end? You do a couple of rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I take my, my daughters for soccer practice. Uh, they'll play drills, et cetera, et cetera. And then they play a game. A scrimmage, mini game. yeah. Yeah. Um, why aren't we doing that in Aikido? That's an excellent question. Well, yeah. you know, it used to be like that. It used mm -hmm. to. It's just lost. Right. It's lost. Everyone's worried about the finer, finer points. Mm -hmm. One of my teachers said to me, the the old school, the old pioneers, their techniques weren't very good, but their spirit was really strong. Yeah. And I think it's the opposite now. Yeah. And that kind of brings us back to the finding the martial spirit question. Maybe this is part of the answer is if you don't focus on the things that bring that spirit out and just doing paired kata doesn't do it. Uh, Giawaza practice, and, and, Randori practice are ways to bring that part out. And training with the same old person day in and day out is a fucking waste of time. Sorry for swearing, but yeah. I see people come to seminars. There's 80 to 100 people on the mat. Guess what? They're training with someone from their own dojo. Yeah, the people they came with, they're, they'll, yep, they'll go right in there. Why are you doing that? You, you need different body sizes. Of course, you don't go to a brute who's going to rip your arms out. Right. But you need different body sizes. You, did, you need people with different mentalities. Mm -hmm. So you're working with different reactions. Yeah. Um, I, when I, growing up, you know, I don't think my uncle had this thought out, but every time anyone of note came to the dojo, he'd say, throw him around. And I'd just be canon for it. I'd just be UK. Mm -hmm. But I got to be a really good UK because I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know how it was going to be done because everyone was different. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have to, to, to cop it. You know, it was a speculation of mine that the reason why Giawaza and Randori were not, were, were kind of 
left behind is they're not easy. It's easy to, to know what exactly the attack that's coming because the, the demonstration just showed what it was and what the response was gonna be. It's kind of like doing your ABCs. That's all really easy. But you talk about writing a, a, a play, a, a script or something or doing an actual writing piece, that's hard. And so to me, the martial spirit is, the, is that ambition to wanna do more than, yes, you wanna hone the fine points of your technique, but you also wanna be able to take them into a live type situation, be able to do them, and then do, be able to do it under stress when it's, uh, when it's complete 100%, now things are really tough. And, and I think that, I don't know, I've, I've met a lot of martial artists, not just in Aikido, that wanna dress in the outfit, they wanna be able to do the katas, or they wanna look like a martial artist. I call them posers, because they wanna look like a martial artist, but they don't really wanna have the martial spirit, because that, that's hard, that's difficult. And, and I don't relate to that because, you know, as a competitor, I didn't want to just dress in the outfit and, and be around competitors. I wanted to be successful. And it, that takes the work to, to advance and to, to train yourself hard to succeed under, under, in a competitive environment. And I think the same thing holds true if somebody, you know, comes up to me on, on, a, on a street and gets in my face, I, I know that that's going to be a difficult situation and I want to make sure that I I'm ready for that. And, yep. um, and I think that's a part of the martial spirit that's, uh, that can be lost through the trappings of the, well, what's my rank and do I wear my cool Hakama and do I, you know, yep. all that, all of those things. Um, before I forget, um, I, I'm going to tout, um, a documentary. I'm not okay. getting any, I'm not getting any, uh, Commission for this. Sure. There's an amazing documentary called In Search of Greatness. Okay. And um, it, it interviews people like Wayne Gretzky, uh, Jerry Rice. I think I've and, seen that. Like a few years ago, I think I saw that. It's fascinating. And, and you know, I saw it on the plane, and then I, it's one of those very, very rare things where I went out and bought a copy. Mm, okay. Um, and I showed it to all my instructors. It talks about the playtime. Right. And uh, wow, it, it's like, that's where you develop that playtime. Mm -hmm. You learn in structured class, but you develop in the playtime. You mm -hmm. make it your own in the playtime. Sure. And that's not being, we're not allowing for that. Right. You know, you, you talk about uh, black belt factories. Mm -hmm. we, we've got dojos that are just churning people out. You know, mm -hmm. 45 minute class or an hour class, Boom, you're off the mat, next person comes, next, next group comes in, next group comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, my dojo's open till the last person leaves. Mm. You know, uh, uh, my apartment's in the dojo, I'll come in, uh, I'll do what I have to do. And people say, do I have to leave? I go, no, you go whenever you want. You train till two hours past if you want, I'm happy for that. Sure. Occasionally I stick my head on the mat and say, you know, you're doing that wrong. But mm -hmm. um, that, that's what it's about. You know, it's, yeah. it's allowing people that, leeway to to experiment to 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 make it their own essentially sure you know Otherwise, i think that's going to be fun yeah that playtime thing is is something that modern uh, trainers and fight trainers are are discovering is a huge benefit and uh i remember seeing a, a an interview with faras sahabi and he he was one of uh, george st pierre's trainers um and he talked about 
I think he had a, an interview on Joe Rogan. I think he, they were talking about how do you train when you're above 40 years old? And he said that this is, you know, a lot of times when you're young, you're 20 years old, you go in and you just absolutely go balls to the wall for however long your body can take it. And then you limp out and you're exhausted, probably banged up, maybe injured. And you got to wait for your body to recover. And you're young, so you recover pretty fast, but not if you're injured. So you, you sit out and he said, but if you're older or if you want to keep training, and he said, even younger Russian fighters will do this. They'll go in for six, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, and they'll just do light play work. They're not going balls to the wall. They're not getting yep. so physically exhausted they can't function, and they're not getting injured. So imagine, you know, four weeks of that, you get, you know, crazy kamikaze guy that goes and trains four or five times, and the rest of the time between he's healing, and he does maybe an hour, hour and a half before he's so toasted he can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you got the Russian who's been doing seven, six, seven days a week, eight hours, nine hours on the mat, which one at the end of that time is going to be in a better advantage position just because of the reps and the, and the, he was do, going lightly enough where he could, you know, keep the body moving, get, get it uh, familiar with how his, his opponent's body moves, how to get to the lock positions. He's just going over it and over it and over it. And those repetitions he can keep doing because he's not injured. He's not, gone to exhaustion point where he's is useless and and that that's an uh, i think a pretty innovative way to look at training in a way that's safe enough to do it but it's also very productive for programming the brain and the body and how to work in with that uh in that method uh, so you know i think that that's perhaps something to look at too and and for older people that do want to start they can do it without having their arms ripped off or be constantly injured. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I've never competed, mm -hmm. mainly because I always used to lose as a kid, so I never, <laughs> never liked competition. Um, yeah. But it, it doesn't suit my character. Sure. Uh, I've never been one to play by the rules, so uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. it doesn't suit my character. Now, talking about how do you how do you train as a 20 year old and as a 40 year old? Mm -hmm. How do you train as a student as opposed to teacher? Now, a lot of us who, who do a traditional martial art, we teach. And, and you know, if you, if you run a dojo, there's so much bullshit pre-class, post-class mm -hmm. that afterwards you're just brain dead. Right. So how do you maintain? People ask me, how do I train? I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. How do you train? The, the way, and this, this is no secret, and I've said this many times before. As a teacher, when you get up and demonstrate a technique, Imagine your teachers are watching and you're doing a test. Do mm -hmm. it perfect every time. Yeah. And it's worth 10 reps. Sure. Because you're putting mind, body, and spirit, everything, you're honing it into that one technique at one time. If you do it three times, you don't, you don't look to get it right once out of three times. You get it perfect every time. Yeah. And that, that is how a teacher should train. And that's a remarkable mental focus that's much different than being a student where you're just trying to find that where is it right what you know um and, yeah that's that's true a student needs to do that in a test so in the yoshinkan system the test you know my my fifth down test lasted i think 17 minutes and they said it was one of the longest ones really okay but the intensity because you are looked at 
like the teacher has his face in your face while you're in your stance. Mm. And if you even flinch or look at him, you fail. Okay. Shoda goes to countries to talk about the smell of fear. <laughs> that it's palpable. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, it was that focus, that intensity. And believe it or not, that saved me so many times in nightclubs. Oh, I bet. Situations where you just have to, you know, you, your balls are somewhere up near your chest when you're facing off three guys that are much bigger than you and you're working alone. Yeah. Your balls are nowhere to be found when someone's pulled a knife on you on a gun. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you stand your ground. Yeah. Because that's what you're training. Your training's kicked in. You stand your ground. Mm -hmm. Of course, sensibly with awareness. Right. Yeah. yeah. The uh, and that kind of brings us to our the the last question, which I actually had listed first, but we talked about this almost uh, at the beginning of our last discussion, which is when it comes to respect, respect should be earned but not given. But instructors expect to be respected. How do we draw the line between that expectation and the uh, respect being earned? Okay, so how would you? What would you think? I would. I would agree that you cannot demand of somebody to respect you. Um, it should be something that you command. Respect it would be commanded. Um, but I think that Aikido has an issue in the fact that we don't have any venue by which you go and show your capabilities. And this, when I was a competitor, when you'd go win tournaments or, or you do, did really well, you succeeded and were victorious, it showed the quality of your, of your art, the quality that you had, and that would command respect. So there was a tangible uh, measure by which somebody uh, could assess you and say, okay, you know what you're doing. What, I'm, I want to have you show me something. Why don't you teach me? And that, that's where the respect was built. But within Aikido, we don't have any kind of a venue to assess whether somebody's art is a high quality or not. It's really just a subjective opinion based on your instructor or you know the prestige that you've built within your organization or the political uh, political stuff that goes on within, you know, the hierarchy of organizations. And so, but without a, some kind of a venue or, or, or a way to show, to show other people that your, your Aikido is solid, your, your teaching is solid, that all, it's all just subjective. And I think that that's where, when you don't, when you have nothing but sub subjectivity, respect is, there's really not much to it. It's, it is a choice. Do I respect that person or not? And usually those answers come from a political realm. And I, I'm not big into politics, so, um, you know. Okay, so let me throw this at you. Um, I interviewed a, an Aikidoka who is also an artist. Mm -hmm. And he said that if you're seeing the technique, you're not seeing the art or the artist. Okay. So um, if you're looking for constant proof or, or, or technical ability, maybe you're not seeing the man. Mm -hmm. And what's more important to respect the the technique or the man? Mm -hmm. So that that's my question, and sure. everyone's answer is going to be different, and that's fine. Um, for me, if I meet a teacher, if I met a, a, a Muay Thai coach, anyone, a, a traditional martial arts teacher, a BJJ person, an MMA person, I would give him 
uh, this amount of respect. Mm -hmm. Anything more than that, you would have to earn mm -hmm. or she would have to earn. Someone walk in the door, I'll give you this much respect. More than that, you have to earn. And um, it's a good way to describe that, it. That, that's my my rule for myself. Sure. You know, I've I've gone to teach seminars where people have, you know, treated me like a demigod, and I feel yeah. uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I've also been to seminars where people go, "Hey, Joe, you know, how are you doing?" And I'm uncomfortable with that because the basis of our relationship is the art, mm -hmm. and in the art, you need to show someone who's going to teach you a bit more respect. I don't say anything. I accept whatever people give me, mm -hmm. but my my reasoning and yours are totally different mm -hmm. so you know do you know where i'm coming from so, yeah so, i mean obviously yeah. as human beings everybody deserves a certain baseline of of respect which is i i would count it general courtesy uh, or general yep. um politeness um but but yeah to go to go into that wow i really have a deep respect for you i've seen to kind of to address your question I've run across people that are extremely good technicians of Aikido and their, their technique is incredible, but as a person, they're detestable. And I've seen the reverse is true. Somebody is a great guy, very good personality, generous, kind, you know, but their technical ability with the art is substandard, just is not good. Um, you know, I can respect somebody for their character and not so much for their art and same thing for their art and not so much for the character. Uh, so I think there's respect can go into the different realms. Um, but but I the part that I guess of the the thing about martial arts in general that I really don't like is the, is where it gets into that cult part where the respect goes into worship and the ego of the instructor turns into a, like a tyrant of, of, of sorts. Um, and I think if there's anything about the strict authoritarian model that we've gotten from Japanese martial art instruction, that th that should be one of those things we leave behind. Um, like you said, it's just too it's too open for abuse. And uh, yeah, yeah, but so is a democracy. No. I you know uh, there's an old saying you know uh, capitalism and cat and Catholicism are two great systems, but I've never met a good communist or a good Catholic. <laughs> it, it, it's the people that make the system. Right. Um, and, and I've been abused mm -hmm. by teachers, you know, who just treated me like shit. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been to dojos where I was treated second class because of this, my mm -hmm. color. And I've, I've been to dojos where I was treated like I was nothing, but the minute I proved myself, Okay. Mm -hmm. cool. And I accept, I accept that the ones sure. that treat you like shit, I don't go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've lost what I was going to say. Um, no, that's all right. Yeah. The respect things are a really important thing. And the, for me, I heard the honor, the definition of honor. Honor was to respect and honor those who respect and honor you. Mm -hmm. And I think without the, the etiquette, without the, the way of being that martial arts has given me, uh, I would be either very rich or in jail. <laughs> so martial arts made me who I am. Aikido's made me who I am for better or worse. I don't, I don't know. Jury's out on that one. But really, um, without it, I wouldn't be 
we don't be we don't be talking now. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think that etiquette is uh, is an important part. I think a lot, just like technique, you can learn to move your foot in the right space and put your hands in the right spot, but you will lack the spirit. The same thing can be said of even saying thank you, like an earnest just thank you. It doesn't really matter how much you bow or what, you know, etiquette can go, be its own thing without the heart of of what's what's behind it. Um, and to me, it's so, the heart that matters. When when we spoke the first time, I asked you why Aikido. Mm -hmm. What was your answer? I'm trying to remember what my answer was because the why Aikido was, I think, why you why you what drew you to Aikido? Um, no, why do you do Aikido? Oh yeah, yeah. What yeah, something say? like that. Um, I don't remember my exact answer, but you really, give me a one word answer. One word, ooh, because I know I didn't do one word. Um, Oh, well, two words, two words. Two words. Um, I'll tell you, you said the aesthetics. Initially, yes. The, initially, it was the aesthetic. And do you, um, let, let me tell you a story. Um, in, in around July, August of 1972, mm -hmm. uh, Don Drager Sensei, I don't know if you know the name. I do. He he brought out his teacher, Shimizu Sensei, and a couple other Japanese teachers um, on a tour of Malaysia. And they did um, you know seminars and, and uh, demonstrations and stuff. And then they came to my uncle's dojo and they were teaching there. I wasn't training, but I was always around the dojo mm -hmm. and stuff. And I saw these 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 men. And in November of 72, I started training. The reason I started training is because I wanted to be like those men. Mm. So the aesthetics, the way they behave, the what they 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 projected. Um, Almost like a role I, model. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. Oh, bang! <laughs> you got me there. I got um, but I, you know, years later, I, I thought to myself, how. You know, after after 30 years of martial arts, I thought, how petty was your your ambition? You joined and you've been doing it for 30 years because you wanted to be like them. Mm -hmm. But now I think I can't have any bigger ambition than that to be like these these giants. Sure. You know. Um, yeah. And, and it wasn't I. It wasn't the respect that people were paying them. It was how they conducted themselves and their technical ability. Right. So, so I think this is what martial arts is to me. And that's why I was quite intrigued by your answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because initially when I first saw it, I mean, you, you can't help but see that, wow, just look at the aesthetic of, of what Aikido is. It's, it's amazing. And I remember our discussion, now, now it's, it's refreshed in my head. And that is the next thing I saw was the incredible strategy. Like it was the efficient use of movement and, and direction and energy being uh, smart, but being very conservative with your own athletics and with your own energy. And that's the part that really got me in love with it. Although it was attractive, to, you know, initially to the eye, what I really admire about it was the strategy. And for the same reason, I have a high regard for judo, jujitsu, um, any art that's, that's about efficiency, even good, really good boxing is incredibly efficient. And yeah. I admire for it for that. I, 
I'll swap you one word for efficient. Grace. Great. Even better word. That's an even better word. Economy of movement is 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 grace incarnate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I I've seen if you go onto YouTube, you, there, there's people doing things like uh, Indians making uh, you know those breads. Right. And and this guy's just flinging it. He's just there's no wasted action. He's going here and it's hitting the guy right on the chopping block of the guy behind him. He's not even yeah. looking. There's other guys who are do, doing different, you know, throwing bricks. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like economy of movement, there's yeah. gracefulness. Elegance. Uh, elegance. Yeah. Shirley Gozo Kancho said, um, you know, as human beings, we all strive for beauty in whatever we do. Mm -hmm. We try and create beauty, we try and make beauty. Jackie Chan said, um, violence is ugly. His, he, his movies make violence look uh, Pretty. palatable. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. 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 But as human beings, we, we, we strive for beauty. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a beautiful backdrop there. Nice oh. pictures, yeah. that plant. Yeah. We, this is what we want in our lives. Mm -hmm. And not just beauty in technique, but uh, beauty within. Right. And, and, and how we do that is how we behave. Yeah, we, we, you know, we, we bantered, we've talked about it and we could have gone to town and disagreed with each other and slammed each other. But sure. to what end? Mm -hmm. To what end? I think we're getting the best out of each other this way. And I think that's what Aikido is. Mm -hmm. Sure, you can fight and, and stuff like that. But and, and the problem with competition in martial arts, same with organizations in martial arts, mm -hmm. they both meant to promote the art. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they end up taking over the app. The, yeah, that's true. Especially when the, mo the money is involved. Um, that that I, winds I up getting friend, in the way. I have a friend who who is one of the top BJJ teachers in, in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, he would make his name by giving handcuffs to police officers and say, put this on me. Mm -hmm. And he would end up putting it on the officer. Wow. Yeah, that'd be a compelling demonstration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he do it. He does it all over the world. I mean, he doesn't do it anymore, but he used to do that. Sure. And he said he used to start. He started off with traditional martial arts, karate, silat, and some. Mm -hmm. And he says that what he misses most in BJJ is that old sense of uh, etiquette and respect. Everybody wants to take your head off in BJJ to be number one. Right, and so it, that's missing. He says, "What he loves about BJJ is everyone's trying to take your head off and be number one. Makes you get better." Oh yeah, what it does. Misses, yeah, what what he misses is the old school. So, is there a balance? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I, I think there is, and and I guess this would be a piece of advice I'd give anybody, whether they're a martial artist or not. Seek the company of the people that will bring out the best in you. And, and another phrase I, I learned long ago that I really love is if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. So mm. if you take those two together, you will always find the company or you'll seek out the company of the people that will bring out your best and will challenge you to be better. And if, if you're at the top, you're, you're the biggest fish in your pond, you got to find a bigger pond and, and expand yourself. And uh, I, I just had a Facebook rant about exactly the same thing. Sure. But you know, being a good uke in Aikido is not mm -hmm. just falling well and making the other person look good. Any any idiot can do that. Mm -hmm. It's about 
pushing your partner and being pushed by your partner and both of you together becoming better. Absolutely. That's a good uke. Yep. You know, you, you don't you don't just keep your partner comfortable, you push them mm-hmm. in the right way. And right. and in in whatever your chosen field, your partner needs to push you in that right way. Mm-hmm. Usually by going just a little bit more than you can handle. Not by going way over the top, yeah. but taking yeah. you a little farther, a little farther. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And 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 how how do you get better? You need to push the envelope. You need to step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That's true. Absolutely. Yep. And, I, and I think a lot of times paired kata is the comfort zone. It's easy to, yep. to, to get into yep. that comfort. And, yep. uh, but yeah, and, I like if, if, if that's your thing, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't fucking bitch and moan about not being respected. Right. You, <laughs> right. you, you haven't pushed the envelope. Yep. You haven't helped anyone. You haven't improved. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people have been doing Aikido for 20 years and their technique is great, but their character hasn't grown. Mm. So what have you done? <laughs> Not only haven't you taken Aikido out, or the martial art out of the dojo, you haven't taken the technique out of the technique. Sure. You kept the technique there. The technique yeah. hasn't built you. Sure. So, you know, <laughs> go fishing, go fishing. That's right. So, well, very cool. We're right about an hour and a half, and this has just been a great discussion. And I want to thank you so much for for uh, joining pleasure. in, and and uh, I, we could talk all night, I'm sure, or all day for yeah, you we since we're on the other yeah. side of the planet. Um, but I also wanted to, to to say this is a really kind of an awkward time because we we have so much trouble getting on the mat, but it's also I think a great opportunity for for people like us to get to get together and share and talk, and for the people that are going to listen to this, get some insight. That they might never get. I know you're doing a number of of, of interviews. I've watched uh, quite a few of them, and I've, I've been I loved them. Uh, I love the discussions that you bring up, and this is a great time for us to learn and get out of our own dojo, break our own dojo hypnosis of you know our little circle that we we are on, and now to expand and and hear from people that have got great insights. So thank you again for for can, coming. Can on. I do a plug very quickly? Please go ahead. Um, that I'm, I'm doing a series of interviews called the pioneers mm. and it's mainly about Yoshinkan pioneers all over the world, mm-hmm. but I'm interviewing a really amazing gentleman. His name is David Lynch. He's from okay. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. He trained under Shiora Gozo in the sixties, Weshiba Kishomaru, Tohei, mm-hmm. Shimizu. Oh, okay. All right. And he was Uchideshidu, a couple of them at least. Oh, nice. And, and he's in his eighties. Uh, it's going to be fabulous. And, you know, um, if you want to talk about, I mean, we, we've, a lot of people have trained under the teachers, you know, the second generation. He's trained under the people who've started those styles. Oh, nice. I'd love to hear what he has to say. Uh, and, and Japan in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spoke to my uncle. My uncle was there in the 50s and he, you know, Japan was a totally different place. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, look, uh, there's a wealth of knowledge out there and people like you and me want to document this in our own way. Absolutely. Or, yeah. And, yep. and go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was going to say the other thing I wanted to, to say, I love how you bring in not only the past and the history and some of the, the stories of the people, but you also have a very strong attitude towards the future of Aikido. And I think that that's, a, that's something that's really going to pay off uh, when we have 
that attention on where is Aikido going and what can we do? How can we do it even better? How can we be better practitioners? How can we better be better teachers? How can we grow grow the art? Um, so I really appreciate that that attitude. My pleasure. Now I'm. I think we're wrapping it up, are we? Yeah, we will wrap it up here. Yeah, but go ahead. I, I don't want to cut you off. The thing about ego mm -hmm. and teachers being demigods, right? Here's a bit of advice to all teachers. You can walk it, you can talk it, other people can believe it, other people can talk it, but never, ever, ever believe your own bullshit. <laughs> Amen to that. Yep. Yep. Do that, it'll keep you on the straight and narrow. Absolutely. So, well, very cool. Uh, I, again, I appreciate you coming on and, and spending the time. I, I know we could chat on many, many topics and I'd love to have you back, so. Um, My pleasure. And and uh, a big thanks to Reg for putting me in touch with you. Absolutely. And Reg, we had a great uh, a great chat about two weeks ago as well. So if you haven't seen that one, check it out. But really thank understand. you. Thank you again very much yeah. for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank well, you. It's a pleasure. And anything I can do for you in the future, you know how to can contact me. I do. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you very much for watching and supporting this podcast. Enjoy your training.